0: Welcome back, it's Carissa, the UFCVM communications intern and pre-vet student. Maturity comes from a deeper understanding and ability to see the larger situation. Being in touch with your emotions, with the ability to respond in a calming way and assess future consequences will get peace to your clientele. Keep
1: listening to learn how to grow in your personal and social maturity. Welcome to the Pre-Vet PauseCast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today my guest is a UF alum, Dr. Manny Lima, class of 2017. Uh, Dr. L, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm a big fan.
1: I have to tell you, I am thrilled to have you on here because I remember your class so well. Dr. L, can you please tell them where you went to undergrad, where you went to vet school. Obviously, I just said it, but tell us again. And then what you did post-grad, what you're up to right now.
0: Yeah. So I'm originally from Cuba. Uh, I was born and raised there. And then I came with my family uh, when I was 15. So I was a sophomore in high school. And we moved uh, to Miami first. And then we went to Orlando. And then in Orlando, I went to high school there. I went to community college and then I went to UCF, go Knights. Charge on. Yeah. And then um, got into my dream school at UF for vet school. And you know, the rest is history. And just so li- right now I went back to Orlando. I live in Kissimmee and I own a hospital down there named Boggy Creek Animal Hospital. It's actually about to be changed to Flora Family Vet.
1: Flora um, Family Vet. Flora
0: Family Vet. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, yeah, really excited. And, uh, so I have a young daughter. She's six months old. And, and what's her name? Amelie it's like Emily by AMA pretty so it's like a French version of Emily Ah. Um, so Amelie Amelie. and she is you know like I was telling you earlier I just uh, I ceased to be the center of the universe now I'm just a satellite around (laughs) that planet and it's it's amazing yeah
1: good. Well, today we're talking about personal and social maturity. As Mm -hmm. y'all know, we're on season six of the podcast. Every odd-numbered episode, we have a veterinarian to talk about these qualities from the Vemcast Letters of Rec. And Dr. L is a great uh, person who talked about personal and social maturity because you have had now vet students in your clinic. You've written letters for them. Mm -hmm. You have current students in your clinic. You have all these folks around you. So you kind of know who's mature Mm -hmm. and who isn't. Yeah. So why don't we start with how would you define maturity? What does that look like for you?
0: Yeah. I think that's, um, when I think of a maturity, not just in a sense of socially speaking, right? Like somebody's personality, but just maturity in general. Like when you're thinking about a mature wine, right? It's, Mm. It's, it's a higher stage of development. Um, so it just takes, I think maturity is just a, it's, it's almost like a journey that you go through and you're just sort of peeling those layers and getting to, your innermost core kind of what drives you and uh so you become a little bit more i think connected to yourself but also the world and so you can see things with a different perspective um which allows you to react and be more responsible you know uh, the ability to have a response to something and in the correct way and so that's how i would That was a long that's deep no but but that was good that was so deep (laughs)
1: you know, you were telling me earlier, like you, you do meditation, you do journaling. So it sounds like you're kind of tuned into maybe like a higher platform. And you mentioned a journey. And my question to you is, do you think it's linear or do you feel like sometimes with our maturity, we might get to a place and be super mature, but sometimes we regress. Do you think that happens?
0: Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it depends on what your journey is putting you through, but I always think, you know, when you're, hitting adversity or you're heading into a place that's sort of unknown and scary like mm. for example me buying a hospital two years out right uh that was really scary but um I went through different levels of maturity but I emerged kind of a, a completely different human being in a way really? so yeah and so I think that yeah you can regress in your maturity and I think it's we regress when we forget to think about the important things when we forget to you know, practice gratitude in our lives or, you know, have something that we're connected to that is bigger than all of us. And you may call that the universe, God, karma, whatever. Uh, but I think you, you have to keep that at the forefront of everything that you're doing and doing things that are important to you and maturity will come from that. So
1: what's matured you more owning your own practice, buying your own practice or having a daughter
0: or are they different? Completely different. I think having a daughter to me, and nobody ever described it to me this way, but it's like falling in love, oh, you know? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I, I, the love of my life is still my wife, and, you know, she she's the reason for everything. Uh, but when I had my daughter, I just sort of fell in love in a completely different way. Um, and it's just I found this, like, well of love that I didn't even know existed within me. And so I've, you know, like I told you, I literally... I'm no longer the center of everything. Everything sort of revolves around her and my wife. And so it made me mature in that way that, like, I, I cease to be the, the most important person and, and they are. And so everything that I do sort of goes towards that goal of like making them a priority. And, um, you know, business really, uh, I think, unlocked in me another part of myself that I didn't know was there because now you're responsible for. You know, we have 34 employees, right? Wow. Like 34 employees, and that's their livelihood and their families, and I have to provide not only for my family but all of them as well. And I, I have to create an environment that is inclusive and it has diversity, and that also, at its core, is there to help animals. And how do we kind of do that in a really good way? And so, um, initially, I was sort of like a bull in a china shop, just kind of like swinging my hammer around, and like we got to do this and we got to do that, and you know, I realized that that wasn't really a good approach. So I had to mature, and I had to become a more democratic owner that you know took everybody's in, you know advice into consideration and um, let them all sort of shine. And you know, I think the true measurement of a leader is that if that organization can 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 succeed without you, like you're oh, not even mentioned, you're not even like. When you know, I'm I'm away from my hospital right now, but my hospital is doing really well right now. They're they're doing what they know how to do, and I think that's when I say, okay, I've done a good job as a leader, is that they're not dependent on me, they're moved on, and that's the same thing as a parent, right? Like you want them to eventually be able to do that too.
1: One hundred percent. There's a lot of, I think, mature moments that I'm hearing. You recognize that the coming in of maybe like a little bit more tyrannical was not working out Mm -hmm. swinging the hammer. Yeah. You recognize that it's not about you. Right. It's that means if you if you're never mentioned, that means you set up the systems and the procedures and the policies. What I want to know is how did you know the swing and the hammer wasn't working? When did that moment happen?
0: Yeah, well, it started really when I first graduated And I started working as a doctor and, you know, I think there was sort of the imposter syndrome and the deep seated insecurities of, you know, I'm giving somebody a recommendation, let's say a technician. And I say, hey, like I want to sedate this dog and here's the medication. Um, And sometimes they would question that. Mm. And, you know, I would react poorly to that, you know, and I think that that's how I. You know, initially, just like I said, swinging the hammer and, and really hurting feelings, you know, and, you know, I regret that. But I I needed to kind of go through that to realize that, hey, like this is a team approach to this medicine and, and they have a lot of input, you know. And now one of my favorite things to do, I, I come out of a room after I did an exam and I turn to my technician and I say, what else would you add? Yeah. What What are you thinking?
1: And I bet sometimes and, they give you good insight.
0: Right. And then a lot of times they're like, well, what do you think? You know, it was a diarrhea case and I forgot to mention a fecal, you know, test. And yeah. then they're like, hey, what do you to do? A fecal. And I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. You know, and so, but they're so much more like, you know, collaborative and they're so much more appreciative. And um, I just love that because I, I love to learn, I love to grow, and I want to create that for them too. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they bring a whole lot of knowledge as well and experience from being on the field. So.
1: Well, what I hear you saying is if you are going to be a practice owner, but even if you are a veterinarian who has technicians under them and you're not a practice owner, you need buy in from your team. Right. And if you're running around trying to just be this like leader without getting input, they're not going to have your back when you need it. Right. And we talked about diversity and inclusion earlier today in the car and how we need folks from different experiences to weigh in. Right. And if we don't have the maturity to know that we're going to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and our progression in our practices is not going to get as far right so let's start talking and sometimes i feel like and it can be more fun too like the bad side of everything sometimes it's easier to say what isn't maturity Mm -hmm. than what is so tell me what are some things that you see specifically with the pre-vets because that's our audience yeah where you're like ooh, they're not showing maturity today what are some of the things you've seen in the clinic
0: yeah, I think, you know, a couple of things. We've had some students that have come out, you know, to do externship, for example, or even some of the pre-vet students and um, not really being committed to the learning, right? Having this sort of growth mindset that I am willing to ask a dumb question because I'm so committed to finding the answer because I really don't know it. Mm. And that took me a long time to figure out. But I think the mature students are so committed to I want to become the best doctor that I can be. And I'm going to ask questions left and right. And I'm going to be involved. And I'm going to, you know, help and I'm going to do any, any job that they ask me to do. Right. Like, you know, they always talk about the paying your dues and all that. And but there is truth to that. Like, I think there's a reason why veterinary veterinary schools require so much time for you to spend around animals and in animal hospitals because you need to be able to read an animal, right? Like, you know, something I see a lot of times is that they haven't really worked in a veterinary hospital before, for example. And I go into a room and I'm talking to the client, but I'm also talking to that animal. Mm-hmm. That animal is telling me a story as well as the as the, the owner. And if you're not tuned in to the animal, if you're not reading the cues, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And the only way to really learning how to communicate with animals is spending a lot of time with them. You got to figure out the nuances. The way that a dog communicates is completely different than a cat communicates. And, you know, a cat might stare at you and a dog might stare at you and they may mean completely different things. And so I think just sort of being committed to like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try to learn as much as I can. I'm going to try to help as much as I can. And I'm not above any kind of job. Yeah. Um, and I, I started like that. I was a kennel, kennel technician. Eventually I became a technician. And then after that I went to the vet school and, and thank God I had those experiences, um, to build upon, uh, because otherwise, you know, I, I would have been in trouble. And, and some of the students that I see, because they're not doing that, I think that they are in trouble. They're sort of like, you know, the other thing I think that, you know, we see a lot is, the, the work ethic, I mm. think that sometimes kind of lags behind. I think some students, you know, kind of come in and, you know, sometimes we may have to work for lunch. Right. Mm. And, and that's what's required because there's an animal that needs you, right? Like the owner called at 1130 right before 12 o'clock when we go to lunch and there's a blocked cat that's been blocked for two days. Like I've never been not able to pee for two days, but if I couldn't pee for two days, Man, I can't pee for yeah. two hours. Yeah. Like I'm in, like distress. And so, you know, I am totally okay. And I hope that my team is too, that, you know, we may miss lunch today, but you know what? That animal is gonna feel so much better. And that's what at the core of what we do, right? Right.
1: Okay, there's a a good bit to break down here. So asking intelligent questions shows maturity, or not even intelligent questions, just asking questions. Yeah. Because sometimes you just don't know. And so it shows maturity if you're willing to ask. Because some folks walk around with maybe some pride I know everything. I don't need to ask. Mm. Get curious. Get involved. And then, like you said, being able to read animals, a piece of maturity is just literally time and experience. You can't just walk onto the clinic floor on day one and understand everything. You need to have built the muscle of spending time with the animals, understanding the field, making sure you know you want to do this, all of that. And then the piece of there's something more important than me.
0: Mm-hmm. There's something
1: more important than my schedule. Yeah, y'all are picking a profession that is a caring profession. It's an emergent profession mm-hmm. where if something comes in the door, you might have to skip lunch. Mm-hmm. You might not be able to leave every day at five p.m. Yeah, because your clients are depending on you. Right. Are there other things that it's like? I can tell that students really mature. They're, they're the mature wine that we're talking about. How do you know that they're well seasoned? Is it always an age thing? Because I have to. Assume there's some 19-year-olds who can be more mature than a 40-year-old.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, life experiences, like you said, are going to be huge in how you learn about, you know, um, how to deal with different situations. I think another thing that I see a lot of, especially from some younger uh, pre-vet and just younger people in general, is not understanding, um, like, what might be going on in a client's head, you know, when they're getting upset about something. Like emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. I think is huge. I think. You know, you have to be really in tune with that because at, at our core, we're not just doctors, we're healers. Yeah. And we're not just treating an animal, we're treating the families as well. And at any given day, you're going to be walking through somebody through probably the worst time of mm, their life. For sure. You're about to lose your best friend. The animal has been with you for 15, 20 years, if you're lucky. Uh, you know, the animal that potentially was. That client's son's mm. dog, mm. and the son passed away, for and sure. now they're like, yep. you know, this is the last link, yeah and you know they are breaking down emotionally in front of you, and so how can you be there for them? Um, and I think that that's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a heartbreaking thing. We get, our, I get, my heart broken all the time. I cry in euthanasias all the time because how can I not? And, you know, I think crying, you know, in my community when I cut co- where I come from was kind of a weakness. I always was taught, but. Now that I've gotten older and maybe more mature, I, I see crying, I, I think it was, um, was it Ted Lasso? There was like a new episode and it was talking about crying as is, 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 uh, rain for the soul. Oh, And so That's that, show. yeah, and sometimes you just, you got to let it out. You mm. know, I think sometimes when you're not mature enough, you feel like you got to be the doctor and you got to be putting a strong face mm. and you got to be the one holding it all together. And you got to let it, you know, sometimes you're feeling that emotion. Hey, I, I feel like crying. I'm going to cry and I'm going to cry with them. And they're so appreciative of that. You know, you're the first one kind of taking that first step. And then now everybody's like mm. synced in.
1: There's so much to unpack here because we're almost talking about cultural competencies at this point. Yeah. Because. So would we say, like, in Cuba, how you grow up, that toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. energy? Oh, yeah. And so what I am now hearing, because in Cuba, potentially, if I'm a male doctor who's crying, they might say, immature. Right. But in the States, where you are and how you built the culture of your practice, it's like, That's actually a mature man right there. Yeah. So, maturity can also come down to, like, in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. That's tricky. Yeah. Because depending on what vet schools you apply to, what practices you go to, they might all be defining maturity differently. We were talking about the profession right now. Yeah. And how we are kind of seeing the need for a balance between. Our personal needs and wellness, mm-hmm. but what the profession needs. Right. And potentially a sign of maturity is when folks can put their needs on the back burner when it's appropriate to mm-hmm. do what the, the profession needs for that moment. What what does the client need? Like you said, the block cat, like, yeah, we might be having a bad day. Yeah, I haven't eaten lunch yet. And yeah, yeah, you're gonna eat. You're gonna eat. Yeah. But you do have to have a thick skin and maybe put that client's need before your own, don't you think?
0: Right. And I think it's like you said, it's a balance and, and every day is a, is a gliding scale. You know, I think you can't keep doing that 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 selfless, you know, without taking care of yourself.
1: No, you got to take care of yourself.
0: You got to take care of yourself first. You know, for me, that looks like, you know, waking up really early in the morning. Yes,
1: you make, tell them your schedule because I think yeah. that's important because what I hear from a lot of people is I don't have the time. Right. But like you're making the time. So will you tell them your schedule?
0: Yeah, yeah. So for me, I, you know, working as a doctor, you know, at the beginning, when I first bought the practice, you know, we went from four doctors to two, and this is in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. And every hospital around us is closing their doors or maybe not seeing new clients. Most of the clients we were seeing had called eight or nine hospitals, and they're all getting turned away, even from their own hospital they normally go to. So to me, that was an opportunity for us to be a leader in that community. And those animals were going to suffer if we didn't do something. And so as an organization, we decided to do that. but. I'll be very frank. Like I hit the wall multiple times in the last few like years. Burnout. burnout. Yeah. Huge burnout in, in terms because, you know, I, I'm working seven days a week. You know, I'm working six days as a doctor and the seventh day is a Sunday and I'm working as a manager, as an owner. I'm coming in and painting the exam rooms and I'm doing all these things. And at the beginning, you're like, you know, yeah, I'm going to do this. But after you've been doing that for three or four months you're literally fried, you know, you just, you, you're just feeling yourself getting angry and you feel yourself getting, you know, pissed off about things that didn't used to piss you off. And it's because of your burnout. And so I had, I knew I had to dial it back. I need to, you know, find a little bit more balance. You know, we started finally hiring some other doctor we were looking, but it was tough, you know? And so, and I realized that I needed a better, I couldn't just not show up to work that wasn't an option I just couldn't say well I need a mental health day I'm not gonna come in tomorrow because I have a full book of appointments tomorrow and a full book of animals that really need me if I'm not there nobody's taking care of them and so I needed to find what was my balance and so for me I just decided I did a few things number one I got off social media I just eliminated Ooh, say it again I got I got off social media I know that you know a lot of people love Instagram and Facebook but I think you know it's completely constantly I saw so many people that weren't having that great of a life but they were posting all about these yeah, things. That drives that are, me bananas. You know, it, it that's what happens. You're just trying to show your best self and you're comparing yourself to other people's best self, which is not really their best self. It's just their a highlight, highlight reel. reel yeah. yeah, like they <laughs> yes, say. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I, I just took myself off of that and that was fantastic. You know, I try to decrease the amount of screen time that I was doing to myself and then I realized that I needed to get some sleep. That's really important for me. And so you know, by nine p.m., I'm I'm already in bed and trying to trying to get some Z's, and and then I, so I wake up at five in the morning every morning now, and then I go for a run or a walk or just a little something around the neighborhood with my dog. Um, I meditate for ten minutes, and then I write in my journal if I have time, and then I make breakfast. So my first. I have to be at work at 8am, but my first three hours is literally just Mm self-care. It's just like how, what kind of day I'm going to have today and what was, what's my intention for today. And then I'm going to show up to work and then I'm going to work hard and then I'm going to get some sleep that night and then I'm going to do it all over again. Um, And I found that I started having more energy. I started having more passion for what I was doing. I didn't feel those feelings of anxiety and depression and things that, you know, I I just felt like, oh, I'm, I'm back to myself. And It goes, it comes and goes, you know, sometimes you're going to hit a wall again. You're going to, you're doing a little bit too much again. You got to dial it back and then you feel rested. And then, and, and then also find like, what is the thing for me? I love quiet time. You know, my drive here was two hours and it was just literally no music. Wow. Nothing on the, it's just literally me sitting there for two hours. That
1: is definitely like making so many people feel anxious right now listening to this. Cause a lot of people can't do it, but if you just love breathing. it, yeah,
0: I just, I just, you know, taking deep breaths and sometimes I would think about an email or something I had to do. And I was like, you know what, I'm not doing that right now. I'm just driving and I'm just enjoying it's so this moment. It's so and so, um, and I'm not great at it. I mean, every now and then, you know, I, I fall back and you know, I, I still, I'm not on social media, but I'll go on Reddit and, you know, and, And then every now and then, you know, you see a video and you're like, man, that was, that did not put me in the right headspace. Like I need to get off of that. Totally. And and so that, that's kind of what I do now.
1: Well, what I hear you say is you made choices that you could control. Mm -hmm. This was like an internal shift. Yeah. I'm not hearing you go try to change things externally that you can't control. I'm not hearing you say, okay, we're going to shut down the practice on this day because I need a mental health day because you value the clients more for that. And so you just adjusted your schedule. Right. I know a lot of y'all listening aren't morning people. Find time to do what you need to do that helps you recharge trial and error. Mm -hmm. See what works for you. It might not be running, meditating, but find something. Yeah. We can all make the time. Yeah. There is time for it. Ton of it. Dr. L, let's say a pre-vet comes up to you in your clinic flora animal hospital what is it flora family vet flora family vet ffv yeah and they say dr lima i've been working with you for eight months now i've loved working here do you feel comfortable writing me a letter of rec yeah you go to write it you come to the part about personal and social maturity what kind of interactions would you have had to have with that student for you to say they have excellent personal and social maturity that's a
0: great question i think for me is how were they interacting with my team as well as, you know, the patients and clients. That's huge. You know, do you have that emotional intelligence to really have empathy and 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 be there, you know, not only as a, you know, I'm going to be a vet, so I'm sort of above everybody else. No, I'm I'm there and Ew, I'm part yeah. of the team and, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. And so I think that's really important for me when I when I'm writing that that recommendation. And I've had people that have asked me to write a recommendation. I've said no because I you know, I can't write it or recommend them. That's
1: mature that you said yeah, that. Yeah. I
0: just, you know, I just feel like, you know, I, and I tell them, I'm like, here's, I haven't seen enough from you and here's the parts that you need to kind of improve on. Um, so I think it's just how they show up every day. You know, do they buy into those values? Are they showing those values, you know, of honesty, integrity, uh, hard work, um, teamwork, uh, you know, those things I think are really, really important. And how do they deal with diversity? You know, I think that, at at its core, it's the most important part, I think, of being a doctor. I know, me too. Yeah, because like you know, I think what was it, Mike Tyson said, "Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth," right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? And, and I and I I don't mean that like figuratively, although you could. But you yeah, know, angry client. Sure, you know, or or a, a Rottweiler yeah. just like yeah. jumps at you. But um, what happens when shit hits the fan? Amen. How do you handle yourself? Right. Do you take a deep breath and you say? am I a leader here? Am I going to show, I had a, a case, um, in our hospital that, you know, one, it was doing COVID and they were doing, um, we were doing curbside and then we had two bulldogs, uh, boxers actually. in one of the rooms, the exam rooms, and they were by themselves. The technician stepped out for a second and one of them got really worked up. And when they opened it, the dog just like came out and started going after all the technicians, like literally oh, like, started, yeah. And so, you know, there were people in the hospital that like ran and there were people in the hospital that kind of stood their ground and, yeah. w- and look for like
1: solutions, you know,
0: there's a fire, where's the buckets of water. That's right. right? That's and right. so I, I always look for that. Like what are they going to do when school is really tough, mm-hmm. you know, and are you going to call out because, you know, you didn't schedule yourself well enough or you didn't study like you should have. Um, or are you going to show up and you're going to do a good job, right? Not, not just be there, but like, do a really really good job. And so I think that that how they handle adversity to me tells me the most because vet school is adversity. And and beyond that, I think vet school was the easy part for me, you know, in undergrad I had multiple jobs and then I had to get A's to get into vet school and so when I got to vet school it was like oh, I don't have Finally, to have a job right? and I can just go to school. But then I graduated and like that first couple of years, that's another thing with young grads that I see now is that they want this work-life balance and you have to decide right now what kind of doctor you want to be. You know, do you want to be a great doctor? Do you want to make a difference in the animals' lives and their families? Or do you want to have a great work-life balance? Because you can't have two, b- both, you know, in that first year I had in my pocket of my white coat, my iPad the entire time. And sometimes I would be in a room and they would ask me a question. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I don't know the answer to that, but let me get back to you real quick. And then I would come out, literally open my notes. I had all my notes in there and I would look at it. And if I had a condition, let's say diabetes that I've never treated before and you know, I had a case that came in and I just felt like I didn't do that great of a job, I would go home and that night for like two or three hours, I would study. I would study every single thing. I, I you know, dermatology, internal medicine, surgery, emergency, anesthesia, all of those notes that I had, I reread them for months on end for that first year. But it, it gave me an advantage because by the time I was in my second year, there were so many things that were coming in and I'm like, I know what that is right. and I know how to treat it and I can make that split second decision right. versus the people that like are coming in now that they're just like, well, I, I, I just worked 12 hours and I don't want to study when I get home.
1: So for this, for today, what do we hope our audience can do today to help either evaluate or increase or reflect on their personal and social maturity
0: yeah i think the biggest thing for me and it was scary at first uh, but the thing that i always tell all my previous students is find opportunities for leadership i think when you put yourself in a leadership position whether that's in your pre-vet club you know maybe you're running for office and you become the treasurer or the president or whatever um, or it could be in your organization, and maybe you're a ten- kennel technician, but they need help instituting a fear-free, you know, um, you know.
1: Like a program. Know, a program. A yeah, program in, yeah. in,
0: the, in the hospital. Like, Step Take up, it upon yourself step up. to step up. But hey, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a little bit of extra on, my, uh, on me. Because when you start putting yourself in leadership positions, I think that makes a huge difference because you got to show up for other people. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. It's you in the spotlight. Right. Because when you're a leader, you're seen. And if you're seen, you can be hurt and you can also be judged. And, and you got to be on your game. You got to be on your game. You can't just show up and do a half ass job. Right. And so um, the other thing I think is constantly being relentless in terms of figuring out What is it that you're putting into your everyday life? Like, what if you're on social media a lot and you're seeing negative things, or if you're, you know, at home and you're watching TV and you're watching things that are just, you know, depressing you, or or, yeah, yeah, be extra, extra careful about everything that you're allowing in your sphere and the people as well that you allow in your sphere. There's friends that are going to be friends from high school. Who are holding you back mm-hmm. and you got to be mature enough to say like hey this is not bringing anything to my my, my yes. life anymore i'm gonna say no to this anymore you know going forward and then the other thing is going to be reading for me reading has always been part of my life since i was little so i'm constantly either listening to a podcast or reading something that makes me like think mm. about things in a different way yeah. how can i grow uh, yeah. and learn from somebody else so
1: so we're, we're putting helpful things on our plate leadership podcasts yeah Yeah. we're taking negative things off our plate those are toxic relationships maybe the social media the things that are hurting us yeah be mature enough to know what's going to help you and what's going to hurt you
0: yeah where are you going you know what's your north star and and what's going to help you get there so
1: i love that Dr. Lima, we always ask our guests to give like one big piece of life advice. I feel like you've given them so much good advice so far, but yeah. what is one more thing, whether to deal with personal maturity or not, that you're like, they need to hear this from me. Maybe I'm the only person who can tell them this.
0: A really good documentary on um, Netflix from Jonah Hill and it's called Studs and it's about his um, therapist. And he said, there's three things in life that you can't get away from. And basically he said, hard work, heartache and hardship. And he said, those are a constant of life. You're never going to get away from that. You you, you have to stop running away from that. You have to sort of embrace that as part of your, you know, like that's going to be part of your life always. And it's part of the price we pay for being alive. You're eventually going to say goodbye to every person being in your life, or they're going to say bye to you. It's, you know, we're all going to die. And I know that sounds really morbid, but our job and as doctors, we see that every day. Our patients die you know, we see family members that die or even clients that die. Like, and so that makes us remember that, you know, don't sweat the little stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Remember that just being right now, me and you having this conversation, I'm so grateful for it. You know, this is such a beautiful moment to share with you and that I get to, you know, just be privileged enough to be here and, um, hopefully give some sort of advice, but, um, you know, uh, you know, continue to have that gratitude in your life. And don't forget that, like, don't, don't, don't be so worried that like, Hey, I'm going to work really hard this week. That's okay. You know, you're going to have your heart broken by, I don't know how many people or how many situations and that's okay too. And you're going to recover. And each time you're going to become a little bit more mature, a little bit more developed, and you'll learn to appreciate life a little bit more, I think. Uh, and that's what my journey has taught me. So
1: That, in a nutshell, is why Dr. Manny Lima is one of the favorite (laughs) graduates of UFCBM from the Office of Academic and Student Affairs. (laughs) Do you want to say anything to your baby daughter before we get off this? Because she might be listening to this like, you know, five five years or more, Like, what would you tell little Miss Amelie?
0: Oh, I just, I would say that she's just uh, the most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on, except for my wife, you know, they're both in that. I would say equal um but that I hope that you know I I do a good enough job as a dad to to raise her to be resilient and to find something that really gives her passion in life just like veterinary medicine does for me and uh she gets to make a difference because at the end of the day I think that's what we're all here to do you know and so uh and I love her very much
1: oh my god so good well, Dr. Lima, thanks so much for being on the podcast today and making time in your busy schedule to, you know, talk with our students, visit with friends from the hospital, come onto the booth. So I'm so glad we could talk about personal and social maturity.
0: Thank you for having me. and thank you so much for everything that you do. I think this is fantastic. and uh, yeah, we're we're very lucky to have you. So thank you yeah.
1: I'm Alex Avelino, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: This is this is live. No,
1: oh. I'm gonna edit it. <laughs> Thank All <God>. right, ready?
0: <laughs> yeah.